Welcome to episode 11. This week I'll update antics at the farm and getting ready to leave for the wild blue yonder as I enter the United States Air Force. By now, six years on the farm, everyone settled into their roles, and Rigochi Ben has become the premier dairy goat farm in the Northeast from New York up through New England. We have people traveling far and wide to have their goats bred, sold several bucks, and have won several championships at official ADGA shows. We are very much self-sufficient with produce from the massive garden, milk, eggs, and meat from chickens, pigs, cows, and goats. If you haven't had goat meat, it's quite good. It has a unique texture and a delicious flavor. Once we had the cows and the pigs, We didn't use a lot of goats for meat because we had a solid market for selling offspring that we didn't want to keep because of the work mom did with the lineage of our herd. Of course, we had plenty of bread as the bread truck continued to stop at the farm en route to the store. One of the challenges in the area around the house and the path to the farm buildings was the wind came whipping through the property that was pretty strong. Mom's plan was to plant a row of evergreen trees along the side of the property. They were maybe two feet tall when the barrier was planted. Today, those trees are full-grown and made me smile when I saw photos of the property. Living in rural America and in the north, the mailman delivered our mail in a mailbox on a post across the road. Since we lived on U.S. Route 11 in the winter, Snow plows would often clip the mailbox and we would have to do a repair so our mail wouldn't be interrupted. And you know, I need to get my mail. In the winter, not only did we have a long driveway to shovel, we had to clear a path from the house to the buildings with animals. Dad would run the snowblower along the driveway and sometimes the wind would blow the snow back into the driveway so fast, it really didn't make much of a difference. Then, of course, the plow would come along and the entrance to the driveway would be blocked with the road slushy snow that froze pretty quickly. Winter wasn't a fun time. While I don't like the cold now, apparently when I was younger it didn't faze me because there are stories where I would run outside in bare feet in the snow. I remember my grandparents commenting that I really should put on some boots. One of the biggest challenges we had in winter was the entrance to the barn. The front of the barn was situated such that the door was lower than the surrounding ground. This meant in winter the snow and ice would form at the entrance and it was difficult to get the door open. Of course, combine a little laziness with frustration, and the problem would exasperate. Sometimes when we couldn't get the door closed, some of the goats would escape, and we would have to round them up. Since there wasn't another entry, we had to work that problem throughout every winter. There wasn't a path per se from the barn to the cow building, so I had to trudge through the snow to take care of them and... Taking stuff down there was more than a challenge. As winter passed, along came spring, and the annual cleaning out of the buildings where the animals were kept. We kept 
we would take turns loosening the material with pitchforks and a potato digger and would wheelbarrow it to the garden area. We piled the manure at the leading edge of the garden and down into the fields in front of the barn in part to build up that area that was a bit sunken. There were piles and piles and piles every spring. At least some of it would remain in a pretty big pile at the corner where the garden started. So the year I decided to grow cantaloupe, the garden area, which was pretty much accounted for, Mom suggested I plant them on the manure pile. Well, not only did those plants grow quickly, they produced so many melons we couldn't consume or sell them fast enough. I remember having baskets of cantaloupes in the entryway and I entered some in the county fair. As spring turns to summer, visitors were frequent and relatives often came up when school was out. My sense is that coming to the farm was like going to camp. They got to experience different farm animals, got to ride on the hay wagon, and had opportunities to help with chores. You can bet we were happy to share those with anyone who wanted to help. I have amazing stories of those visits. One summer, we went into the house one afternoon and there was a huge black snake sitting on one of the heating vents. I do not remember what happened to the snake, but when I saw it, I ran. Okay, it might not have been huge, and it might not even have been black. All I remember is, I don't like reptiles, period. When I was little, when there was a picture of a snake in a book, I would turn the page as quickly as I could so it wouldn't come off the page and bite me. In hindsight, I guess they really can't do that. Or can they? One advantage of going to Rigochi Bend was that Dad loved to wash cars. He really enjoyed this. It was like a passion. So anyone coming to the farm got a free car wash. Grammy and Poppy came up to the lake house often as it was their second home and my uncles would come up often as well. Afternoons there were always fun. The lake house always smelled like freshly baked cookies, and we would go out on the lake in a rowboat and help Poppy and Uncle Russ with projects. While we didn't go to the lake house that often, Grammy and Poppy liked also hanging out at the farm. Poppy especially enjoyed the goats. He would often go to the fence when the goats were outside grazing and they would come see who was visiting. Goats are very curious. Poppy drank ale that came in little green bottles shaped like barrels. I know I was curious about what it tasted like. At some point, he gave me a little taste when mom and dad were definitely out of sight or hearing distance. I got my sip. It was quite possibly the worst tasting liquid I have ever had. Another time, Poppy decided to see if the goats would like ale. We went over to the fence and several goats jumped up. Missy, an auburn brown-colored alpine, jumped up to greet him. Missy seemed to like beer. Just as he was giving her a little beer, and believe me, it was just a sip or two, 
Mom saw him. And respecting the father-daughter relationship, she kindly asked him not to give the goat spear. I remember Poppy had one of those, oops, I got caught expressions on his face. Grammy and Poppy had a station wagon, and I have many memories of sitting on the tailgate with Poppy and often with other siblings listening to his stories. In 1973, we celebrated Grammy and Poppy's 40th anniversary. It was the first time that I recall that we got to actually eat in a restaurant. Mom and her brothers planned the event, and I remember there was a lot of laughter and fun. Remember the lavender wheels on the hay wagon? Mom made a wooden truck, and it sat on the gift table, and yes, it was painted lavender. It makes me smile just thinking about it. Mom's artistic skills went well beyond painting and drawing. The truck was just one example. She tried her skill at whittling. Her objective was to whittle totem poles that were about six to nine inches tall. As I recall, she did complete a couple, and then one day, her hand slipped, and she cut her finger. It was serious enough that her finger was forever unable to bend straight completely. Well, you know what they say, farming is a dangerous profession. In addition to library club, I also joined the school chorus. In high school, my best friend was Howard. We palled around a lot in school, and he was also in chorus and library club. He lived just outside the village, so when I would walk home, I would stop by his place sometimes. Many years after high school, I reconnected with Howard and asked if he remembered me. His response was, of course I do. You were in chorus and always sang off-key. Well, that's not how I remember it. Since I doubled up on my math and science in my junior year, I could have graduated early. The idea was quickly rejected because I wanted to graduate in the bicentennial year and I had zero plans for what I was going to do after high school. College wasn't on my radar because I knew my parents couldn't afford it, and I was too naive to know what options even existed at the time. I was president of Library Club for the second time and happy with continuing projects as well as helping as a teacher's aide with Mrs. Davis. I didn't need any courses that last year, so I just took courses that were on the upper level and didn't need to go through the stairwells that final year. With one year to go, I had to figure out what I was going to do. Poppy was a Marine. He served twice, and his love for the service was prominent both in who he was and his pride in serving his country. Both of his sons also went into the Marine Corps and were heroes of the Vietnam War. That influence shaped my own view that serving your country was something that, was, that should be seriously considered. Continuing the adventure of farming wasn't something I wanted to do. Remember Grandpa said, if you don't want to have one knee on the floor, don't sell shoes. I knew I didn't want to continue with many of the aspects of farming, so that wasn't an option. Eventually, The military seemed like the good place to start a career 
and earn the benefits to go to college later. There was incredible skepticism and worry. Despite that I am shorter than the average bear, I was in pretty good shape due to farm life, but I wasn't particularly athletic or a person with much coordination. I also didn't know what branch of service I wanted to go into. I wasn't even sure of what, what each of the services were like, other than recruiting posters and hearsay. So how does one choose one service over another? I mailed off the cards seeking more information to each of the services the same day. The Air Force was the first to send me more information. So that's how I picked the Air Force. You snooze, you lose. Decision-making can be such a complex process. After signing up, I would go to the Military Entrance Processing Center, or MEPS. There, you take the ASVAB test, or the test to help determine what occupational specialty you're best qualified for. There is a physical, and they basically clear you for service. I lived in rural New York, and the MEPS station closest to me was Albany, the state capital. That would be exciting. I took a bus to Albany and was going to have to stay in a hotel overnight. I've never done that before. I remember mom and dad giving me advice. Or, let's see, well, more what not to do on my first trip away from home. After checking into the hotel, I get to the elevator to go to my room. The door opens and there were three African-American women in the elevator. One of them said, we don't ride with Chinese people. I was surprised and stepped back to wait for the next elevator. When I got to my room, I called mom because I was rather surprised. First, I had never seen an African-American person before this event. Second, I was confused because at the time, I was thinking that a member of one minority wouldn't say something like that to a person of another minority. After mom talked me through it, in an attempt to make the situation less tense, she said, you should have just walked onto the elevator and said, I'm Korean. For context, we must remember that at this point in American history, Asian Americans were still less than 1% of the population. And whatever the reason, and I certainly don't know their frame of reference or their life experience, I do remember standing there confused by that remark. Today, the world is different. Of course, there is work to be done, and we should be confident that much progress has been made with acceptance across the fabric of America. I'm reminded of Professor Keating in Dead Poet Society when he jumped up on the desk with the goal of illustrating to the students that looking at things from a different perspective is important, and that incident reminds me of that salient concept. The next day, I went through MEPS and entered the delayed entry program because I still had to finish high school and wait for a slot to go to basic military training. I was signed up, though, and would enter active duty in September 1976. I was also assigned to be a food service specialist. Remember, I wanted to open a restaurant one day, so it made sense that I would pick food service as my first choice. I would later learn that most people don't pick food service, and I'm sure that whoever processed my job selection sheet jumped up on their desk, did a little dance, because they signed up someone who actually wanted to be a cook. 
I graduated from high school in the bicentennial year of the United States. There were a couple of firsts that last year at home. Dad thought that before I got into the military, he and I should see a movie in the theater. Well, that seemed exciting. Emphasis on seemed. Dad was a fan of war movies, and so the movie he chose was Midway. I fell asleep. As I was rounding up the summer, we still had cows, including an adult cow that had to be milked, a substantial herd of goats, a couple of pigs, ducks, geese, cats, chickens, wild horses, and an ostrich. Okay, no wild, wild horses or ostriches. In doing research for the podcast, I was able to search area historical newspapers online. What did I find? I found several articles and ads from after I left home, including one breeder advertising a Rigochi Ben buck for stud. There were also several dairy goats that won prizes at shows owned by buyers from our herd. Finding these showed the respect that mom created with Rigochi Bend. I also found an article where there was a county ag meeting where mom was the featured speaker. The last summer was a whirlwind. I was doing exercises to prepare for military training. I was excited about my new adventure and, at the same time, racing thoughts about leaving home. What would the Air Force be like? What if I didn't like it? What if I didn't make it? How would I miss my family? All of these questions swirled around, and among them was, wait, I don't even have a driver's license. Hey, Mom, I need to get a driver's license. I did take driver's ed in school, and my real experience driving is summed up in that little mishap where I backed the truck into the barn. Oh, no, you don't need a driver's license, she said. You'll have a government license in the military, and that will be valid everywhere. Mom was pretty good at giving advice. This time, maybe not so much. Spoiler alert, you don't necessarily get a government driver's license unless you are driving some very special pieces of equipment, and even so, it doesn't allow you to drive regular vehicles on roads. So, the driver's license story will come later. ...that one is allowed to bring to basic training and was going to take the second trip in an airplane since the flight from Seoul to Syracuse 18 years ago. At least this time, I wouldn't be in a basket with two others. I was turning the page in my life to a new chapter. Was the reason I lived from the boy in the trash can to be part of a mission serving America? Did I survive abuse and bullying to grow up and put all that behind me? I had a plane ticket to San Antonio, Texas, where Lackland Air Force Base is, is located. I wondered what Texas would be like. Sure wish the Google was around back then. Anyway, the day did come. I don't remember much about that last two or three days other than saying goodbye to my family and my two goats, Ensu and Jussu. Remember when I said that some of the traits of dairy goats is how they show affection, so you do get attached to them, especially when they're yours. The plane trip that September day seemed long. Growing up in rural America, the San Antonio airport was huge, and it was so busy. I landed at 7.30 p.m., and there was a representative from Lackland Air Force Base waiting for us. Well, that seemed super nice. We took a bus to the base, and oh, darn it, we are out of time for this episode. 
I will say that chaos began, or maybe more appropriately, the next six weeks would be both a whirlwind and a change from the farm that I certainly did not expect. As I look back in both writing the book and preparing for the podcast, I realized that the farm was a blessing in so many ways. Yes, it was hard work, and yes, there were some days where the chores just never seemed to stop. We had a lot of funny times, we had a lot of really good times, and I had some very serious ones. When I think about the uniqueness of our family experience, it prepared me to face the world with resilience. As Marcus mentioned last week, it taught us that doing something right matters. As I've been going through the pictures and artifacts to post along with the podcast, I found a journal that I kept on basic training in tech school. It's typed on onion paper in 1977. I long forgot that I kept this journal, so you'll hear almost firsthand about basic training at tech school that followed. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Ragochi Bend. It was an amazing farm in northern New York that we were all part of, and it remains a part of us. It started out with two rabbits, two dairy goats, and 50 chickens on the bend of a road in Ellenberg Center, New York. Sunday Short Take is going to share some of the customs of the Korean people and a few other stories about Korea. I hope you will join me for the episode as my guests will be coming back. As an update, we have listeners from more than 100 cities around the world. The last couple of episodes kept us in the top 50%, and my challenge is to please share, and if so inclined, please rate the podcast. Apple and Amazon Music are considering the podcast as a feature, so all these stats really do help. I am grateful and encouraged by my listeners. The Boy in the Trash Can is a production of CSJ Associates.